Welcome, data enthusiasts. I'm Joseph, co-founder of Zuma Recruitment, the consultancy focused 100% on data tech professionals in the Berlin region. And this is our podcast, Data for Good, connecting you with all things data. And today, on that line, we are joined by Khan Tan. Khan is Head of Operational Effectiveness at HelloFresh in Berlin. Khan, how are you today? Thanks, Joseph. I'm doing well. How are you? Really good. Really good. Thanks. Today, I understand we are going to be talking about transitioning an organization to be data product focused. Is that right? Exactly. I would rather maybe phrase it in a way where we talk about how to enable data mesh by using hmm. data products or product thinking in general, even. Okay. Before we get into today's topic, I understand that the position head of operational effectiveness isn't common at many companies. Can you give me a quick overview as to your position and how that relates to what we're about to talk about today? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, it's a position that exists in some companies, honestly, mostly in tech companies, like for instance, at Google, they do have a vice president of operational effectiveness, as far as I'm aware of, also Microsoft does. And the broad idea about operational effectiveness is coming from the past, right? Coming from the 20th century and also the beginning of the 21st one, the idea was to trim an organization towards efficiency. So basically minimum amount of input for maximum amount of output. That happened underneath external circumstances that were quite stable compared to today's world. So like release cycles and changes and transformations in tech weren't as common. The development cycles were longer. Um, changes weren't introduced as frequently as we witness it today. And hence, the idea was born in the 21st century, basically when the first disruptions through startups happened, also when first bigger corporations experienced difficulties in actually scaling and promoting their products, to think about it in a different way. And the big enabler for that kind of thinking was basically the framework of the VUCA world. So basically high volatility, high amount of changes, uncertainty, and how do you deal with that? And then the idea was born, well, by ensuring effectiveness. Let's not focus on an input-output driven equation anymore, but let's focus on getting the right maturity and adaptiveness in our process landscape, tech landscape, to enable the effectiveness of a value chain. And hence also the name of my organization. So our old name last year was Data and Process Excellence. So we were very much focused on creating actually technical solutions like software, like data solutions, analytical solutions. And the idea going forward was in the next basically growth stadium that we're in as HelloFresh. Um, let's do this more systematically and let's start using tech as well as data, as well as data management and analytics is a way to ensure the effectiveness of our value chain. Of course, this is only part of the equation. The other part is the operational control functions that report to me, such as, for instance, uh, customer care that basically ensures uh, customer communication, as well as our uh, operations control center who coordinate across basically any kind of exception or incident we might have and the resolution okay. thereof. Super, thanks for that overview. I, I, I recognize the new state of play uh, in the modern world is the uncertainty of business life. And it seems that your position meets that head on. Yes. Um, 
by ensuring continued and increased value for the business. Excellent. Okay, so in looking at and talking about transitioning an organization to be data product focused, tell us what you mean. So maybe also for me to go back into when I joined HelloFresh, right? I, can't, I was actually from military tech, also to understand the context therein. I was coming from a service delivery organization, so where data as a product didn't exist. Why? Because we had a service package data analytics. So we supplied them with analytic solutions on demand. That was basically the idea. And going into HelloFresh, I knew that the general guideline that we have from our global organization, namely Hello Data, um, is to own data as a product, own it where it's produced, and create data products to capture the value that it can provide and to supply it as a product to basically our operations and business. That's the general idea, right? Also the general idea on how to unlock data mesh basically, ultimately. So I was, I was coming into HelloFresh and I mean, of course, all these abstract structures, they made a lot of sense when you hear and read about them. But when I joined, I mean, I was, uh, I joined a scale up at that point, which was actually maturing into a corporation. Um, we were just coming out of an exponential growth phase where a lot of fundamentals were simply not laid down. Why? Because simply the goal was to cope with the growth. The goal was not to ensure stability basically at that given point of time. I mean, if you remember back, we're talking about those Corona years, right? Where we had like an 4X growth in one simple year, if not in all three. Mm. And hence we had, of course, also as a business, I mean, we coped with the changes, but it was not easy. And it was basically fueled by a lot of workarounds. And hence I was, I was in an organization where all kinds of things actually existed, like analytical solutions or data solutions um, to help operational leaders and also managers with to automate things, to make things more data driven. We had services that basically delivered certain value over time, but with little or with little changes apart from maintenance. And then we had basically, yeah, the first technical products, I would argue that were already going towards the data product or the software product direction, but we're not fully there yet. So mm -hmm. basically I was, I was standing there and honestly, I didn't at that point know how to pull this off because, I mean, just talking about data product, that's literally the tip of the iceberg, but getting there, like establishing the right systems, the right workflows, the right cut data or tech teams, that's something that where the literature isn't as sufficient, actually, as we might think. But on the mm -hmm. other hand, um, the abstract description of what a data product is, is quite specific. So that was basically what, what, what my biggest challenge also during that time was, and also um, what made me look outward, honestly. So my first instinct was talk to our global people, trying to understand their point of view. And I mean, their priority at that point of time was basically maturing that idea of data products, uh, describing better what they mean with data contracts and data producers, but we're still quite far apart from operational everyday life where the data was actually produced and where it needed to be owned and where the data products needed to be created at that at that point of time. Okay, super. Thanks for sharing that. High level, in terms of this transition, this journey that businesses go on, who are the decision-making stakeholders who can have the greatest impact on this 
obviously yourself or someone in your position, who would who would you work closely with to help the business on this journey? So there are a variety, and I would argue the biggest enablers are the people who provide you with the infrastructure to build data products in the first play with place with, and that's basically the global central data team. Why? Because that's who's owning the data platforms, that's who's owning the bigger central solutions. And of course, you need some sort of infrastructure to utilize and to create those data products with, right? That's the first mm. set. The second set, I would argue, is leadership. So leadership in terms of domain leadership. So when we're talking about DACH, that's basically um, what I'm focused on. We're talking about our two MDs, our CMO, CRO, he of, who of course need to prioritize this because of course creating products also takes time and involves money. So you actually have to invest in it to create a product. Um, and then the third part is actually your customers in this regard, internal facing. So you have to actually go around and talk to your peers specifically um, in operations or specifically in functions where a lot of data is created. And you need to convince them actually that products are a better idea and um, they should basically get away from their service mentality and towards product development and creation mentality, which is mm. easier said than done. Because what you're essentially telling them is, hey, if you request for me, something from me, I will basically prioritize this in my backlog and then we will deliver it as a service to you and take care of it if, if it breaks down. When we're talking about products, we're talking about deep conversations between product managers and operational leaders to understand their needs and to translate them into products. Mm -hmm. And it's a two-way street. So if the one part doesn't play along, you can create good products and hence your customers are actually very, very important in that discussion. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks for sharing that. The, the senior players in this journey. Going back a little bit, you mentioned about the old times and the service-focused business. Mm -hmm. Why would a, an organization necessarily need tra to transition to being uh, product-focused rather than service-focused? It might sound obvious, but if they're doing very well at their service-focused approach, what would be the need to change? Honestly, I wouldn't argue it's as obvious because either as a service or as a product, both have their benefits and disadvantages ultimately. And um, it really depends on the challenges that you're facing and as an organization, as well as what kind of life cycle you're in, right? And we were at that point uh, in a life cycle where we're talking about a high degree of decentralization. So most of the data is created decentrally. We're not talking when the idea of data product thinking or data product management was born, talking about a situation where the central tech team that we have at HelloFresh was basically recently being developed and built up. So all these standards weren't existent at that time. And then we had basically a global leadership who basically were data driven and knew that the complexity was increasing and hence the data quality was dropping and needed to take immediate measures against that. Enhance data product and or also data product management or data mesh was actually the only solution I would argue in that kind of situation to go to. Why? Because then you can actually ensure through guidelines and principles some sort of data governance and by doing so data management and with data products actually decrease lead time to analytics or to any kind of insight that you want. Fantastic, fantastic. Great nutshell there. Um, 
you're, you're talking about the journey, seemingly, that the business is going on, and feel free to talk generally, if you will. I'm keen to know what some of the challenges are, some mm -hmm. of the roadblocks or hurdles that an organization is going to go through, really generally, in their, uh, in their quest uh, for reaching uh, a product focus. Sure. I mean, um, challenges are various kind, honestly, um, as it is with probably everything that you're trying to introduce to an existing business. Um, however, I mean, I have a past where I also for some time worked as an agile coach. And for instance, if you do an agile transformation, there is an easy way out. You can literally take textbook scrum, apply it, and in the retros, you can fine tune it. That same kind mm -hmm. of way of thinking doesn't work with data products. So. Why? Because mm -hmm. you have to invest, you have to have the right resources, you have to actually create the right team split on people and skills and competencies that you need in there. And hence, and also there is no textbook solution. So when it comes down to data, organizations are less generic, I would argue, at least in my experience, than I found out with a lot of other methodologies and there are fewer textbook answers that you can actually simply apply to your organization and then fine tune it as you go along. So that means mm. you actually need to fully understand what actually this means, what data mesh means, how to aggregate different data points from different software tools to a data product and so on. And then you can start thinking about applying, okay, what's my organizational split? What does my organization, what domains do I have in there? Who has what production of data or who has what need of data? Because these are mm different aspects that will influence on how you go along. So that was actually a big challenge to me because I simply, I mean, lacked the textbooks. I lacked a lot of clarifying descriptions <laughs> on, hey, this is like an illustrative example of what an organization looked like. That's something that you yourself have to kind of come up with in a situation like that. So how, they, they seem so various, so wide. Um, it, it certainly would take an open-minded leadership team. I, I wonder how would someone, what approach would a team take to these to these challenges? Is it just that? Is it keeping an open mind? Is it looking for the case examples? Is it creating a knowledge base throughout, docu clear documentation throughout, working with consultancies? Mm -hmm. Well, how, how can these be addressed if they're so broad? I mean, working with consultancies is always an option, I would argue. Um, however, it has also its benefits and disadvantages. First of all, like dealing with challenges like that also ensures personal growth. And that's basically what you leave behind for an easy access to a consultancy. On the mm -hmm. other hand, um, I would argue all of the above to what you said. So the way I dealt with, with the situation at hand was I had multiple things that I needed to focus on when I was um, when I first joined HelloFresh. And what I did first was actually hire a very senior data product manager. Why? Mm. Because the senior data product manager has usually seen multiple different companies where he applied that knowledge in and is more adequately positioned to consult also you as a leader of a team that encompasses not only the product management side, but also the engineering analytics or even process improvement part. That's what I started with to basically create an understanding within my team through the, our data product manager. What is a data product? What do we mean by that? 
and towards our engineers, what differentiates a data product from old solutions that we used to create. And then slowly take this outward, but based on light towers. So basically take something small that has already some characteristics of a data product and basically scale it. Also easier said than none, but at least that shows the benefits of what such a product could entail. That's basically more customer and leadership facing. On the other mm -hmm. hand, that doesn't answer yet what kind of organization and way, what kind of ways of working you should use in order to do this continuously with. And for that part, I actually reached outwards because I didn't find an adequate answer, at least that made me happy within my own organization. Also, I mean, we had different various kinds on how we organize data teams, um, all had their benefits, all had their disadvantages. And I think most of my counterparts at least were quite yeah, focused in their answers when saying, hey, it's it works, but it's not the perfect way that I would wish for it. And hence I looked outward. I talked, actually I, I reached out through LinkedIn to various organizations. I talked to people from Amazon. I talked to people from Google. I talked to people from even ODA, who's an online grocery store basically, mm -hmm. who had a lot of experiences with those things. And I basically, did a Q&A with them. So basically they took me through their challenges, explained to me why they reached certain decisions as they did. And then what I did was basically compile all that information, put HelloFresh next to it and see how I could adapt to similar decisions in a different way that would fit our culture better. Mm, I see. So yeah. you tailored it. Basically, um, basically. And in the end I came, for instance, up with a hybrid organization that's quite central within one domain, but at the same time, decentral as it's a domain data team, right? And a mixture of a virtual and a line organization. So what we built ultimately was, is a line organization where disciplines report to their own discipline. So if I'm an analyst, I report to a leader of analysts, same way as an engineer, I report to an engineering manager. And then underneath it, we cut a virtual product organization where we have different functions, for instance, so where we are a certain way domain oriented or function oriented, but very much product focused. So we orient ourselves basically towards the domain, towards the function, have one product at its core, but it also means we also create things that are not products in those teams. And for that team, basically size and the composition are thereof, we mix different skill sets. So the idea was if I'm domain or function focused, then I need basically a whole arsenal on skills, maybe analytics, maybe engineering, maybe product management, interest stakeholder management with, and basically deliver them the tailor cut skill and competency set depending on the product and depending on your customer. Okay, so it's, yeah. sorry. And this actually solved the second problem for us, because of course, with a lot of changes in your business, usually a lot of organizational changes come, but they don't necessarily have an impact on the line organization then anymore, but on your product organization that is virtual. And hence, uh -huh. you don't need to shift people around as much as you would usually need to, but the line organization can actually stay quite stable. At the same time, the changes affect basically your process organization or your virtual product organization where you actually own the products and through changes in the workflow. Got it. It sounds like 
having clear operational roles and having a clear organisational structure is paramount. It mm -hmm. also sounds like in your uh, strategic approach to this, having, for want of a better term, consultants, so various different uh, stakeholders, internal, external, to kind of be sparring partners and throw ideas at you. How was that from a kind of idea generation and communication perspective? Is, is that quite challenging, having to work with lots of different people, share these ideas, contradict them? That was somewhat challenging, I would say. Um, I mean, I was at least on that broad scope encompassing different disciplines such as engineering, analytics, and so on, the only leader, at least in that. So um, it was more need-based discussions that I had within, within DACH myself. Um, what was more challenging, honestly, is finding the right time to introduce any kind of change. Because in a high-paced environment where nothing is really stable, everything is flexible, when do you implement a complex change like that? That was a harder question to figure out, honestly. Okay. Tell me more about that. Why is that so critical? Because you change a multitude of things. So you have engineers and analysts and product managers that need to get used to a new way of working in a smaller way of working with a lot of interdependencies between the different product squads. But at the same time, you need to have a high maturity in order to be able to pull off this in the first place with a lot of fundamentals, like central place where you document. What you need is definitely good engineering standards and that apply throughout the organization. Ideally, you create chapters around this. In this case, we didn't need to because the line organization, for instance, was very much underneath my leadership and hence we had single threaded leadership. But imagine this in a situation where you create data teams across multiple domains. And what you need to ensure is create a chapter that actually enables that each engineer does his or her job the same way as the engineer in the other domain. It's way harder to tackle, actually, if, you know, instead mm -hmm. of doing that in some single domain. What helped us is actually we make good use of our seasonality. So when our demand was low, that's when we introduced the changes because then the business didn't change so much in that time frame. And that gave us at least certain situation or a couple of weeks of stability where we could try out a bunch of things. I say, I say, I, I ask because when a, a business approaches anything new, it's never a good time to do it, right? There's always somebody that, that's grossly impacted. And for this, it seems like complexity and the multiple dependencies, cross-functional or, or otherwise, that would be impacted. So, yeah, I'm, I'm getting an understanding. We've talked about the, the challenges. What kind of fun breakthroughs have come or fun learnings have come that are kind of light bulb moments for you? We know, we know we're on the right track. I think in an existing business, right, that has a profit and loss, I think important learning and something to keep in mind when doing a change like that is you can't, like, turn off the switches from day one to the other. You have a lot of legacy, you have a lot of tech debt, you have a lot of commitments that you still need to uphold. And that's something that doesn't simply go away just because you want to do data products now. And the second learning is though, I think that's also kind of like a compromise. 
to accept that you won't just build products, especially not in an operative function um, in a local market as I am in, because there is still very much a very real need for automation for certain data deliveries, for uh, analytical solutions that you wouldn't call products. But at the same time, I think that's part of that compromise, understand that you can still treat those things as products. Doing so, you can uphold the same standards, even though they might lack some, but still are in a very high maturity in terms of, for instance, service levels, in terms of service level objectives, um, agreements, backlogs, the way you prioritize, the workflow that you use, your planning cycles, um, and something, honestly, that I learned from Medium, actually, um, that was also a big help, was the basically differentiation keep it loose in the middle basically which essentially means um, keep guidelines low in the inner workings of a team but make them very explicit and crystal clear in the outer workings of a team so how teams communicate what rituals are used what cycles are used that's something that you need to keep stating and if you do that you can create the freedom for creativity within the team on how to define their own workflow and that was actually a big success factor. Why? Because then suddenly teams started to improve over time themselves, making use of their retros. So that actually took a lot of workload away from leadership. Because mm -hmm. there is no need for command and control if your team actually improves over time by themselves, right? And I think th those were like the smaller and the bigger learning moments that we overall had. <laughs> And basically doing a lot of retros, a lot of communication, a lot of change management on the way there too, that was the biggest success factor. I love this. So uh, the gist I'm getting from a lot of this is having flexibility throughout. Don't make sudden changes. Prepare to have simultaneous environments working or simultaneous ways of working in operation. And be prepared uh, and, to adapt if the need arises. Yeah. And that adaptation comes from these, presumably these review reviews and retrospects that you're talking about. We we learn as we go and we continue to, to iterate from that. Exactly. Fantastic. What what kind of wins can a business expect to see in the earliest days? Because all these challenges, they can get tiring and frustrating. Um, even the learnings you might not see until a later stage. What kind of early wins are they going to see? Different ways. So one of the wins was actually, it was more towards one of the tech products. So we basically applied the same way of thinking on data as well as tech, as well as analytics. And one of the early winnings was that we managed in a very short time to mature a product in a way where we were able to scale that to multiple HelloFresh markets. And for a small team that is very decentral and local, that's a huge win. I mean, that was a big motivating factor for, for my engineers, for my product manager, right? Um, that was one of them. On the team side, as you're saying, right? Like the big financial impact is most likely not there immediately on your first month. It's a break even that mm -hmm. still needs to be very much reached. But what is already going usually smoother is your interfaces are way clearer and if you communicate the right way also to your customers, also more effective than they used to be. And hence, misalignments are going down. And hence, you can set better priorities, better goals, and start to change the overall organization to think in terms of products. 
And that's what enables you, I would argue, for the last stage. And that's actually getting value out of the data products once they're there and once you know how to make use of them. Mm -hmm. So it speaks to um, not only the operational changes, but also the the mindset shift that comes with this gradual and maybe even implicit re-educating to get people to think with this data this yeah data product mindset um and i assume that the communication is getting clearer and the misunderstandings going down it helps people to more easily understand data huh. as a product and maybe maybe expressed in a sentence i mean from a service organization to product organization in a very abstract way i mean you could use an idiom like from a hey, build me a dashboard that shows me that kind of question from your customer towards you. That would be a service organization, right? He's already giving you as an input and inducing a trigger on what he or she expects to get. Actually, that's a very technical conversation you're having from that point onwards to a, I wanted to conduct weekly business reviews, um, but at the moment I have the difficulty of having long lead times and getting the data for those ready. Whole different conversation can mean the same thing. On the one hand, you maybe get a dashboard and you will need to tweak it a lot of times because you didn't do your discovery necessarily holistically. On the other hand, you would invest time to understand, okay, what data do you need? What systems do you use and what systems does do produce that data? Um, what's your preferred way to access that? Is it Tableau? Maybe it's G-Sheet because that person simply doesn't want to go on Tableau, also possible. Um, and I think ultimately that's the mind shift change that needs to happen in the overall organization in order not to experience any kind of productivity loss with your technical personnel. I see. Interesting. Uh, I'm conscious of time, Khan. Uh, we've we've taken a lot from it already, and and there's a lot of topics that I suspect business leaders going through this change would want to consult with you personally. Just has just as you have done with others. Um, on a final note or a final recommendation in knowing the relevance for business and data leaders, what could you, what final tip or recommendation would you share uh, with the, the data community today? I think a lot of challenges that we all face are quite similar. And I think we need to communicate more and look much more outward than our organizations. I mean, the topic that we just discussed has little to do with the profit and loss about financial or business success. And like the way you repeat different organizational structures, different processes that you establish, different rituals, they are actually quite same. They need to be adapted, of course, but they're quite similar. And I think we need to be more open to asking for help or also outside of our organization and not only on conferences or panels where it usually mm. tends to happen. How, how did you then look outwards? LinkedIn. For me, LinkedIn. my tool of choice for that is LinkedIn. I basically started looking around, okay, which people are in similar fashions or for instance, read or posted themselves articles about data mesh and I started reaching out to them as blindly as that. Fantastic. That's great. And I'd encourage data leaders who are looking to make that change to reach out to us as well at Zuma, because of course, through the Data the Good podcast, we speak with myriad data leaders going through this, you being one of them.
Um, but that final tip, don't be afraid to look outwards. And I suppose it also speaks to, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Come, time has flown. Great conversation. Thanks for taking us into this kind of major business topic and helping us to, to break it down somewhat. Um, I ask anyone who's been listening and watching to reach out to Khan or, or to myself, if you prefer, indirectly. And, um, yeah, it sounds like, it looks like he'd be uh, a good person to ask and, and certainly willing to do so. So, once again, thanks very much, Khan. Appreciate your time. Thank you for the invitation, and it was a great chat.